What is going on, everybody? And welcome back to the Money Minded Athlete Podcast. This is your first time. Welcome to the show. This is Kyle Pullins. I'm going to be your host. And today, well, actually, you know, first time listeners, what's up? Welcome. We talk about personal finance, how to be better with your money, how to make more money, how to save more money, what teach you what to do with that. Uh, investing, we're going to get into that kind of stuff later on. We're going to talk business. We're going to talk entrepreneurship. We're going to talk personal development. All these things that go into you managing your time to manage your money, to make more money, to learn what it is you want to do with your life moving forward. That's some things we've talked about with a little, you know, some of the past guests that we've had on the show. And we're going to keep talking about. And then today's guest is really going to give you some good insight into that. Before we get into today's guest, very excited about that is go ahead leave me that short five-star review you know leave me a quick review love it love to have it on itunes i'm not sure where you're listening it seems like most of the people listening are on apple so it's gonna be natural wherever you're listening to go ahead if you get some value first time to the show go ahead listen through the episode check back on a couple episodes see what you like and leave that review that's how we help grow the show that's how we get more listeners in and make a bigger impact to help more athletes become money-minded. That's the goal over here. So today, Mr. Ryan Stuman is the guest. Here's what we got going on today. Listen, Ryan is a sales and marketing expert. He is a best-selling author. Uh, he's been featured in Forbes, Entrepreneurship, Inc. I mean, so many different major publications out there major news outlets, channels, trying to get in front of him. I mean, he's he's so he's such an entertaining character for sure. And he's got such a great personality that, you know, I, I got to start off with a warning and say he's not for the faint of heart. Ryan is real and he's raw and he lets, you know, what he, he let he leads with his heart in his business and in his life. And it's it's led him to a lot of successful roads, but he's going to start telling you some of the stories of how some of those unsuccessful roads led to where he's at on the, on the success path that he's on and where he's continuing to go. Cause a man like him doesn't just become satisfied with where he's at. He's continuing to strive for more and he's very innovative. Um, what you should know is that, you know, he is a sales guy first. He coined uh, the hardcore closer. Uh, it's one of his podcasts that he has. Uh, it was a website that he built out and had a, a bunch of people, you know, go to that in the sales mark in the marketing world um, to turn to him for advice. And the fact that he's a sales guy, he's also, you know, on the on the back end, low key is I mean, not even low key. If you're if you followed Stuman stuff, this isn't exactly new, but he's a big software guy and he's got a lot of businesses in the software world like uh, it, they call it SaaS software as a service. His is kind of the other way. He wants service as a software, which is cool. Uh, but, you know, all these different kinds of, you know, QuickBooks and Word and things like that, that you software is that you put on your computer. He's making that for businesses, for salespeople, for marketing people to make more money, to start to scale their business out, all these kinds of things. Super valuable. And he wants to talk to you about the force of average. I'm not going to say anything about it. We're going to get into today's episode. You're going to find out what that's about. But just know that a multimillionaire like Ryan, who's a sales expert, he wants to talk about the force of average in your life. So if you can take that to heart and just be like, okay, dang, this dude can be over here teaching me. Because this is, I had, when I had reached out to Ryan about coming on the show, one, I wasn't expecting him to say yes, so I'm super grateful that he's on. But two, I was like, oh man, we're gonna have a great sales talk episode. You know, he's gonna drop so much knowledge on the sales side. And he's like, force of average, dude. And I'm like, all right, let's do this. I'm ready. Let him know. So it's time for you to find out. Let's get right into today's episode with Ryan Stewart. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Money Minded Athlete. I'm your host, Kyle Pullins, and I am extremely excited. I've been looking forward to this episode for a while now, and want to welcome to the show, Mr. Ryan Stuman. Welcome on, Ryan. What's up, Kyle? Thanks for having me on, man. Hey, this is going to be an awesome episode. Uh, 
I first came across Ryan a couple years ago uh, in the on the sales side of things and got into into some of his work and just blown away by everything that he had going on and I mean it's I can't even do him justice to try to tell him everything about you Ryan but you know been on featured on Entrepreneur Forbes <coughs> I mean Huffington Post you know you're multi-millionaire running multiple six seven eight figure businesses I mean there's just so much going on over there give these listeners just uh, you know a 30,000 foot view of, of how you got started to where you're at now well you know uh I've just kind of done life the hard way, man. Can you hear me? This uh, thing over here is kind of messing up a little bit. Yep. We good? Yeah, I hear right, you good. So, uh, you know, I spent most of my life doing doing things the hard way, kind of forcing things to happen. And, uh, you know, when I was young, I was adopted. And uh, by the time I was in the ninth grade, I dropped out of school and I grew up in kind of an abusive household and and have been divorced and incarcerated. Like, dude, if, if there's a mistake that your like parents warn you not to make when you're a kid, I, I pretty much made it. And, uh, you know, at the time it was really difficult, Kyle, you know, having to deal with prison and being a high school dropout and mm-hmm. being, being adopted was probably the biggest thing. Cause I mean, like when we're kids, all we know is our parents. Right. And like when they give up on you, it's like, Oh fuck. You know, so was that like out of out of an orphanage kind of deal or how how, uh, how did that happen? My story's not that cool, you know. Um, so th- like the, the short of it is in I was born in 1979 and my f- grandparents, my grandfathers on both my mom and my my dad's mm-hmm. side were business people. They were entrepreneurs and bankers. And uh, my grandfather owned a glass factory. The other grandfather was a banker. And in 1985, the savings and loans crashed uh, throughout the entire United States. And uh, we lived in small towns and we lived in a small town and my grandfather's banks were in small towns. And uh, if you lose small town people's money, like you could be hung mm-hmm. on their property. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They'd be like, oh, he tried yeah. to steal our cattle. That's like a yeah. real law in Texas. Yeah. Like you try to steal somebody's cattle, they would hang you. Right. And uh, and it's as simple as just saying he we didn't have cameras and stuff back then like we do today. Right. And so. Mm-hmm. Uh, my grandparents ran out of town and in the process of trying to save some of these farms, my grandma went to federal prison and my grandfather's glass factory business went under uh, because my other grandfather's banks went under and it was massive turmoil. I mean, you think about like a kid that had it all one through five, like living the life, you know what I mean? And then all of a sudden it <clears throat> five and a half. Parents are divorcing, families run out of town, grandma's in fucking prison. Grandma's in mm. prison? What the hell is this, a country <laughs> yeah. western song? You know, and and my dad, I never saw him again until I was like 18. He like just left. Mm-hmm. And uh, and my mom remarried, and the dude okay. that she married kind of gave me an ultimatum to make, his, make my name match the rest of the family. You know what I'm saying? I had like a little sister who was a yeah. couple months old, and and now all of a sudden I'm like this kid that, that has this stigma, stigmatic name in this town of 1,100 people, <laughs> you right, know. And right. and uh, but I was literally born Ryan Russell McCord, you know. And now I'm obviously Ryan nice. Schumann, so I had a, a name change. But you can you imagine going to school and everybody's family hates your family because you lost their money, uh, right. even though it's not your fault. It's the fucking government's yeah, fault. No, but you know you were the bank, so they blame you. And back then we didn't have Google and shit that could give you information. So all you know is the bank ain't got your money. You know the bank's evil. And that's people. from the McCords. <laughs> yeah, exactly, dude. And then so then I become assuming the kids were like, not only does his family hate him, they can't even keep their name. Dude, it was rough in school for me. Sure. It's just uh, made it even to where I didn't like it anyway. You know, and so like yeah. most kids that have it tough at home and at school, I got on drugs, got to selling drugs to support my habit, got to selling bigger drugs to make money. Cause you know, I, I, it, where I grew up in a poor part of town, cause after we escaped the small town, we moved to Dallas and, and growing up in a poorer part of town, you know, we don't get, Hey, here's how you do e-com. <laughs> here's how you start a multi-level marketing business. We get, look, dude, here's cocaine. You sell it for freaking $10 a pop. You can make enough money to sell it for 600 bucks a pop. You know, that's just kind of the game that, that, that I was handled and, uh, did it for about four years, which was, you know, the life of a drug dealer. That's kind of a long time, that's you know? a long time. And, uh, but I ended up doing four years in prison too. So it basically took eight mm. years of my life away, which is a, a bitch, you know? And, and, uh, 2003 get out of prison and uh you know you see the movies where like dude goes to prison and he's got to walk on the the like the tier or whatever 
And the guy's like, hey, man, I can't wait to fuck you tonight. You know, mm. the, you, this, the quintessential shit that you see in Hollywood movies, right. right? I had to do that eight times, man. They didn't just, wow. like, leave me in one prison, dude. They moved me around in two years. I was in state prison for two years. They moved me around to eight different prisons. I had to make that walk at eight different mm. deadly death row type of places. And it wasn't, like, being me. dramatized. Like, that was real shit that really oh. happened. Real shit for real. And... And, and I only had $200 worth of cocaine, man. Like, it wasn't wow. – like, I have – obviously, you have moved more than that. But all they caught me with was literally, like, $200 worth. Maybe, yeah. like, you know how the cops are, like, $600 street yeah. value. <laughs> so, yeah. But so I get out of prison in 2002 or three, and I go to work for a car wash. You know, that's what people in parole do. They work in car wash, truck driving, landscape, mm. that kind mm-hmm. of shit, construction. It's basic stuff. Yeah, and so my goal was to not go back to prison, uh, to be grateful for this, my freedom, and uh, if I just work hard enough at this car wash, maybe one day the owner will retire and I can take it over as the best dude here, right? That that was a true – I knew even at young, only had sold dope in my life and, and only been in prison. The only two jobs I'd had were like working in the kitchen in prison and selling dope, you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. uh, But to believing that, hey, you know what, dude, if I just work hard enough, I can take over this company. And, uh, and that's what I did, dude. I worked my ass off at this car wash. And the cool thing is the car wash, my job originally started out where a car pulls in, they want a $10 car wash or back then $6. I bumped them to eight, nine, 10 or 11. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, if the cars, like, let's say the average car was $6 or was a uh, $10, I got paid a quarter per car. It was this commission structure. So, so sure. You know, I get out of prison and I'm not making, you know, drug drug dealer Mercedes Benz money, but I'm making 40, 50 grand a year and I'm happy. Sure. And I'm just going to be the best damn car wash guy there is. Well, one day this lady, she's a regular customer. She comes in. She's kind of an older lady. And uh, like at the time, you got to remember, I'm 23. So when I say older, she's probably 40. Right. <laughs> right. And uh, now I'm 40. I'm like, shit, she's actually kind of young. But, but whatever. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> at yeah. the time, she's like an yeah. older lady. You know, and she's like. Uh, dude, I come here all the time and I want to give you a job. And I was like, lady, look, man, convicted felon, blah, blah, blah. I just immediately went into excuse land. Mm, mm-hmm. And she goes, uh, yeah, whatever, dude. Like, look, do you want a job or not? Uh, and I was like, dude, I just don't think that I'd be a good fit to work. You you work at a bank and stuff. And she's like, listen, she goes, you're here at this car wash. You're on parole. They're going to give you your job back no matter what. You're the best dude on this place. Like, I've been coming here for months and seeing you work. Come work with me for two months. If you don't make any money, then you can always come back to the car wash. I'll vouch for you and get your damn job back. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, cool. Easy enough. And so I go it's to work for guarantee. <laughs> yeah, but but it's a commission-only job. Uh-huh. <clears throat> so at least at the car wash, it was hourly plus commission. Mm-hmm. So you still had to show up. You didn't get paid yeah. for not showing up. But Feels it was hourly. Safer. Yeah, I had, a, I had a $7 an hour safety net you know what i mean mm-hmm. in the event that it rained and we didn't do the the yeah because when it rains people ain't gonna pay more no, they're not coming in. You know what i mean so shit like that right and so i go to work for this lady on like a monday on saturday i'm at my friend's house watching the buckeyes versus michigan state game university of michigan sorry mm-hmm. and uh I was just there to drink beer. They had free beer. I was broke as hell because I just started this new job, and I was worried, so I'm just there to, for the free beer, right? It was at his parents' house. Well, I have a few beers, and I get this brilliant idea, and uh, I'm like, how long have y'all lived in this house? They're like 19 years. Like, have you ever you ever heard of something called – I don't know what the hell it means, but you ever heard of something called a refinance? And they were like, yeah, but we had a bankruptcy, and I was like, you know, I don't know what that means. But I think I heard somebody in this office with this new job that I start working with say that that was okay. If I have Monica, my friend, she's passed away now, but she was the lady. So mm-hmm. if I have Monica call you and just like answer some questions, would you be open to that? I don't know. Maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't. No pressure. But would you be open to it? I'd like to see how the conversation goes and listen to it so I can learn my job. Mm-hmm. And I was being dead serious. I wasn't right. really trying to, you know, play some like sly. Oh, I'm just some innocent. Like if I said <laughs> that to you now, you'd be like fucking hardcore closer. Here we go. Here but back then I genuinely just they were my friends since all my life, basically his parents. And I just wanted to, you know, see if. They asked smart questions. They, they'd they always had the same job. Both of them been on the same job since I had known them. So, like, they're pretty stable people. So, Monica has a conversation with these folks. They use a bunch of fancy terminology at the time that I didn't understand. But at the end of it, Monica picks up the phone, calls me back, and says, you're about to make a lot of money. <clears throat> and I went, oh, shit. I'll 
to me, a lot of money was $500, right? Sure. Like if I made 500 bucks, that's a lot of money. Yeah. Two, three weeks later, <clears throat> I run and get some paperwork back and forth. Don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Two or three weeks later, I got 8,700 bucks in my pocket. Nice. Oh, shit. I used to have to work like four months for this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Two weeks later. Now, remember, I'm commission only. Two weeks later, the dude that mowed the yards for the car wash calls me, says he's buying a $700,000 house. I make another fourteen mm. in three weeks. Now, all of a sudden, I'm $30,000 deep into making money within like freaking two months. Dude, I might as well have been young Bill Gates. You know what right. I mean? Like, mm -hmm. it's game. I went on in 2005 to make $773,000 at 26 years old. Wow. And uh, from Amazing. literally from, from drug dealing, prison, to like all of a sudden I'm this banker making this money. And some of it was from flipping houses. Some of it was from mortgages. But regardless, I got it. Mm -hmm. And the cops thought I was selling drugs again because they knew that they had caught me with $200. They knew I had more. You know what I mean? Like they were like, yeah. okay, we got them, but this is kind of bullshit, but whatever. So then they thought, oh, I got out. Now I own all these cars and houses. They thought I was balling. And what How really the fuck did you do that? Well, check with this, man. You know, I've really thought about this a lot, Kyle. So check this out. This is my luck. Like I owned at the time I made 700 grand, I owned 32 homes. And because uh, you could get 100% financing on homes back okay. then. And uh, remember, you just like, I, I don't know how old you are, but in 2005, you could literally walk into a bank, sign a piece of paper. They give you $300,000 for a home just if you could fart. I am not mm, yeah. kidding. Man. Yeah, the, and, from, like the uh, big short, that shit was real. You, <laughs> yes, that was real. You could have not paid a bill your entire fucking life, and they would still give you money. Crazy. And so uh, I own 32 homes. Shit, I'm going to take advantage of the system. Who's making good money from? Was making about $500 a door. Uh, plus, I've got the, the real estate commission from selling them. Plus, I did the mortgage on them, dude. So I'm making money every which way I turn around, right? I got more than I know what to deal with. So I go buy Trans Ams, Corvettes, redneck shit. You know what I'm saying? Jacked up trucks, a fucking nice ass house. And all of a sudden, the, the, I have I work from home. I got one of the first people to have Wi-Fi and work from home. I was definitely the first person in my office. So yeah. I got people coming by and shit cars paying me rent. I got people coming by <laughs> in Bentleys that are real estate agents and investors. I got rednecks and trucks coming by to pick up construction mm. checks for the things that we're doing. And my house is pretty busy, and the cops think, oh, he's selling drugs again. It makes sense. I didn't think it, you sure. know, when you're not doing something, you don't think that way. Right. And they kicked in my door, and they didn't find any drugs because I didn't have anything to do with that. And uh, matter of fact, I passed the piss test after they arrested me, and that was what allowed me to get out on, on bail. Mm -hmm. but they did find a gun and the gun wasn't mine. It was my adopted dad's gun and he had left it at the house with me. And I just like, whatever, you know, I didn't know the cops were coming. So I didn't fucking like, Hey, it's an emergency. I bought this house from them to yeah. help buy their next house. And long, you know, Hey, you buy your childhood house. Seems like a cool idea when you first start making money, shit like that. Right. Yeah. And yeah. he refused to fucking stand up and say it was his. So hell, I had to go back to federal prison for another two years. Back to prison. Dude, I'm a millionaire, and I got to yeah. go surrender myself and go into prison. Over and, some that's uh, not even yours. Yeah, dude, and there's a lot more, obviously, as you can imagine, complications that come involved, but that's mm -hmm. you know limited time. That's that's right. the gist of it. Uh, three months in there, I have, I have been married before I went in because I knew about seven months out that I was going to prison. So got married to a girl I'd been dating for about three years and shit like that. 90 days into it, turned my state over to her and everything. She falls in love with the dude that mows our yards for our investment properties and uh, like just sends me a letter. It's like, hey, you know, I'm getting a divorce, keeping all your money, sucking somebody mm -hmm. else's stick now, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Fuck you. I'm like, dude, I'm in here. I can't even do anything, right? It's like, I'm not in here sleeping <laughs> with you your back or some shit, right? Like, I'm like, I definitely haven't cheated on you. Like, what the hell is going on here? Mm. You know? And uh, at the worst time possible, like, yeah. you think, like, you talk right. about, like, if you, like, they say kick you when you're down. Right. Like, how about like dig a grave for me and then jump on top of me? Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, like rock bottom. I see my life has been filled with these like, you know, go like get adopted, go to prison, like these huge lows. And then all of a sudden, fuck, dude, you're a millionaire. Then yeah. all of a sudden, bam, like slapped again. It's like, dude, you know what? You're divorced. And now you're gonna come out broke and have to move with your mom, which you hate because you have an abusive family because mm. you step issue and shit. Right. Dude, it was it was tough. I got out of federal prison. I had to move in with my parents, and I'll never forget my my stepdad or adopted dad, whatever you want to call him. I don't, I don't talk to either one of them anymore. Mm -hmm. But 
he picked me up off the dark train, which is like the whatever. I had twenty twenty dollars or so to my name, and he said, uh, "This will be the last time that uh, we go through this. Next time you go to jail or get in trouble, we're out." <clears throat> and I thought, "Well, that's fucking encouraging, especially since it was your gun, you fucking asshole." Mm-hmm. And I got to go home. Yeah. This guy, I got to live with this fucking dude. This dude's in charge of whether he calls my parole officer and all this other shit, man. I just wanted to kill him. I really did. Yeah. And just why I don't see him anymore. They're so toxic. You know what I mean? And every time I would start making money again, I would be like, oh, hey, you know, will you guys accept me now that I'm like, you know, successful? And now I'm like, dude, I hope I never see him again because I don't know what I might do. And, <clears throat> dude, it was a really rough time. The, the oh, wife no. thought I love left me. My parents, who I just absolutely hate, I get mad now even thinking about them, right? Like, sure. I've been with them after they sent me to prison and all this other shit. They could have, dude, my dad could have easily said it was my gun and nobody would have went to prison. Nobody. Yeah. But instead, he's like, nah, fuck. Life changing decision right snitch. there. I'm not going to go to prison as a snitch, so I can't snitch on my dad. You know what they do to people who snitch on their parents mm-hmm. in prison? I assure you, it's not I don't anything. I want to know. Pardon, of course, right? So, like, dude, I just got to deal with it. And I get this job back in a mortgage company. Dude, this is such a cool story, right? So mm-hmm. I go, and it wasn't at the time. <laughs> but yeah, just, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I'm out and I got to get a job or my parents are going to throw me on the streets. And if I got to live on the streets, my parole officer is going to revoke my parole or at least send me back to the halfway house. And I do not want to go in any of those scenarios. So I'm like, I got to find a job fast. Problem is now I'm a two-time felon. Mm-hmm. Finding a job's not exactly easy as you no. can but the good news is I got a hell of a W-2 from 2005 before I went into prison. 2007, I went into prison. So I've got a hell of a W-2 from 2004, 2005, and 2006 before I went into prison, right? So at least I got that going for somebody. I, I, I'm good at sales, and I can prove it on paper. With right. my tax returns, somebody will give me a job. So I find this place that's hired. Credit Solutions, that's the name of the company. They do debt settlement. I go to the top of this high rise. I'm wearing a pair of clothes I probably bought at Kohl's. Buy one, get one free shit. (laughs) But I I can sell. I don't give a fuck. I know this place is phone sales. It doesn't matter what I look like anyway, you know? Right. And we do this like boiler room style group interview. I make it to round two. They call me back. They tell me I'm hired. They ran my background, tell me they're like, they can't hire me. Fuck. Fuck, man. I'm like, put two weeks worth of work into getting this job. Everybody thinks I'm going to work there. Hell, I've been telling people I work there. You know? Yeah. Yeah, Including parents and parole officer. Oh, yeah, I got a job there. Start next week. Shit, now I don't. So that job is like, it's really disappointing because I wanted that job. Yeah. Felt like you earned it. And and all the like the banks were falling apart at the times two thousand and eight right so the banks are falling apart, you know the mortgage crisis blah 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 the shit that happened to my grandpa is happening all over again. And uh, I hit this this mortgage company I go apply and the dude tells me that I can't have a job because I'm a two time felon despite my track record at least a hundred times but I closed over. Eventually he goes, man, you know what, dude, if just fuck it. If you will come in here and work the leads as hard as you just work me for this job, you'd be a millionaire. And I said, give me three months. I'll make more money than you, Rob. And he goes, good fucking luck. They all say that three months later, he's like, dude, can I borrow a hundred bucks? <laughs> wow. I went in, in 2008, nine and 10 and took one of the like lowest level tiered banks in Texas. And we wrote it to the top, dude, we ate up everybody's market share. Mm. So while people were losing money during those years, man, I was making three, $400,000 fresh out of prison. And 2010, Obama signs this law called the Dodd-Frank Act. Bam, student can't write mortgages anymore because part of that law says no felons can write financial instruments anymore. 300 grand a year to nothing again. Damn. Just another killer blow. Dude, at this point, people would have, like, at the I quit high school, people would have tapped out in this story. Yeah. Right? Maybe at the I was adopted. Some people right now were adopted when they were six in the same scenario as me, <laughs> and, it, and they're 50 years old, and they're still letting it affect them. Well, that's why I was, I mean, I didn't have the same kind of background, but that's why I was asking you. I was adopted. Um, I mean, I've been with my birth mom my whole life, didn't have that same kind of trauma growing up, but, you know, haven't seen my birth dad in, you know, 15 plus years and got my mom got remarried, so my stepdad adopted me. I mean, he's a good guy and everything, but I mean, we were just button heads from like day one. <laughs> so I, I thought it was cool to hear that it's story. Not easy. 
No. I got a stepson. It's not easy. I have to. Only thing that keeps me from getting because we communicate different. I have two yeah. natural sons and one stepson. They don't know. Like for the record, the stepson doesn't know he's step. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's been with okay. him since he was like nine months old. But, but uh, so he doesn't know, uh, really, right? But there is a, a distinct difference. There really mm-hmm. is, and, and now mm-hmm. I can understand why my stepdad was so frustrated because he's not as smart as I am. I'm really smart. And uh, I know how to deal with my kids. He wasn't smart, sure. so he was angry. That's what dumb people do. They get mad when a fight, right? Right. Like smart people can talk it out, civilized, civilized. Like dumb people just want to swing it out. So that was kind of how he was. But I, I get it. It's, it's not exactly easy, you know. But so Obama passes this law, and I'm out of a job. And I have people say, "Hey, we'll pay you under the table." But dude, as a two-time felon, that phrase scares the hell out of yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Because like if if somebody gets audited or shit hits the fan, here's exactly what happens. Oh, he did it, and there's no court in the country that's going to believe you, Kyle, the athlete with a clear record, versus me, the fucking two time felon. Yeah. Even if you fuck me over, they're going to believe you over me because I already have a papered past. So what do I do, man? You know, like shit, dude. I've had two jobs, and I am not going back to washing cars. So I like have a friend that teaches me, that gives me these Ryan Dice DVDs on how to make money online. Mm-hmm. And I registered like this domain name, Hardcore Closer. And I was like, I'm going to teach loan officers to do what I did. Cause I was pretty fucking good at it, you know? And, uh, you know, I'd like to say in the next thing, you know, but you know, that was, <laughs> that was 10 years ago. There's a lot of steps in between. Yeah. That was 10 years ago and I got started and, it, and you have to understand 10 years ago, Facebook wasn't Facebook. Mm-hmm. Facebook only mm-hmm. became available to the public in 2009. In 2000, like Facebook up to 2009 right. was still college kids. Yeah. So here yeah, it is, exactly. 2010, and I'm and I. So when I get out of prison, I start posting on Facebook. My my sister, who's 10 years younger than me, she's like, "Hey, you got to check this Facebook thing." I was like, "What about MySpace?" She's like, "Nobody's on that anymore." <laughs> Facebook. She had just got in from Texas A and M. She just graduated. Yeah. While I was in prison. And when I moved back in with my parents, she'd moved in for the summer, blah, 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 right? Trying to get a job with their degree and shit. She's teaching me about Facebook. Well, I think maybe ex-wife that shit on me while I was in prison is on Facebook. So when I get this job in the mortgage, I start taking pictures with top producer plaques, like letting motherfuckers know I'm back on top, <laughs> right? You know, hoping that she sees it and she's like, damn, I left this dude who's got I successful again for the, <laughs> for the landscape, dude, who's probably broke by now, you know? <laughs> And but because of that, people started hitting me up, going, "Hey, dude, you seem really good at mortgages. Can you do mine?" Mm-hmm. And nobody understood that back then. So I start trying to teach this stuff, and people be like, "The space book, dude. We're a bank. We're not gonna have time for social media. Like all these like." And that's right. like how I got Corporate this hardcore shit. closer. Yeah, that's how I got this hardcore closer nickname though, because I was like, "No, you don't understand. <laughs> I can show you right." And so like I just wouldn't let people go, and I was do all these events and shit like that, and I started managing people's social media. So basically, Kyle, I log in as you and I would make posts up to five times a day and answer all your DMs for you. Mm-hmm. Dude, I did this for 73 people, just me. Mm-hmm. Every day, 73 people. Every day, five a That's day, answering unreal. all their DMs. I was a fucking machine. For, and, and I made about 10 grand a month and I wanted to kill myself because I was working 19 hour days. After about six months, I shut it down and I said, guess what though? Nobody's ran as many social media pages as I have. I ran mm. 73 of them. Five posts a day, answered millions of DMs over the course of six Crazy. months. I'm the most experienced dude in the game. Gary V didn't Those exist Those are some real yet. reps right there. Yeah, Gary V didn't exist yet. None of these people were – Cardone wasn't online yet. Yeah. And, uh, and, dude, I had zero money, so everything I did was organic. So I wasn't spending ad money or anything right. like that. And, dude, I started teaching it. And – you know, people started paying little by little and I started having events here and there. And, you know, in 2011, my then wife, I got remarried. I've since been divorced. It's a force of average shit. Right. But, uh, my then wife, uh, got pregnant with my oldest son, Jackson, and I was, had to go take a job at the car dealership. And I sold cars for about six months so I could have insurance in case something was wrong with my firstborn kid. Right. And uh, I got – the good news was the car dealership gave me free run to do whatever I wanted on the social media. I sold more cars than anybody, all from Facebook. Crazy. All from Facebook. And so I got to test again. I knew I had done all these things with managing people's accounts that sold a bunch of cars, sold a bunch of mortgages. I'm like, dude, I'm the fucking master at this. I'm going all in. And uh, 
right after Jackson was born, I quit the car dealership, worked there for about six months, quit the car dealership, went back full work for myself, started doing events, just started coming up, man. And I've had a lot of struggles along the way. Got divorced, shit, had to end up getting remarried again. That's right, mm. bitches, you counting for fucking time <laughs> I've been married. I'm fucking committed. I'm making this shit happen. I don't know who the fuck it's going to be. Hopefully it's Amy with the one I'm with now, but it seems that way. But fuck, you never know, right? Sure. But the truth is, like, you know, I, I, that's a part of my life. I keep trying to close. It keeps trying to open back up. But pretty sure I got it fucking nailed this time. But the point is that went through all that hell that I just gave you. And people ask me, what would you change? I wouldn't change anything. And people ask me, is it worth it? It was. Today I just picked up my McLaren 570S and I just put a badass spoiler on the back of it. Got my baby an ass job. You know what I mean? And that's one and, of uh, how many different cars I got a Rolls Royce Ray. I'm a car guy, so I don't wear expensive clothes or shoes or, you know, I have a nice house and I like cars, everything else, dude. I like, I just, I'm a redneck, man. We just came back (laughs) from family vacation in Gulf Shores, Alabama. You know what I mean? Like I could go to anywhere. I got fucking Malaysia. (laughs) You go to Paris or fucking where? Yeah, I could do any of that shit. But instead we go in fucking the deep South, baby. That's just who I am, you know? And, but I like cars. So I got a Lamborghini, a Wraith, a fucking uh, uh, Rolls Royce Wraith, a, uh, Lamborghini Huracan. I got a McLaren 570S, an Escalade, a truck, a bunch of four wheelers and shit, a bunch of toys and things of that right. nature. You know, redneck shit. And uh, I blame Sean Whalen for a lot of that. <laughs> and uh, and and maybe you know, like maybe a little bit. You know, now Andy and I are good friends now. I'm, uh, we've only been good friends for about a year now. But yeah, he's mm-hmm. definitely he's the reason I got a Lamborghini. I ain't gonna lie. I asked him one day, I was like, how come you don't have a McLaren? He goes, they're soulless cars. Like, bro, you just don't fit in one. Just tell the truth. You just don't Uh, fit in one, you know? And he's like, no, man, they're soulless cars. I don't like them. He's like, you ever drove a Lamborghini? It's like, no. It's like, well, fuck it. I'll just buy one and see what's up then. So I like them, but I like You found out the truth. Yeah, I like the McLaren better, though. It's way faster. But long story short, like, my life doesn't suck. My I have three kids. They're all in private school. I have the best wife you could possibly imagine. She's like God pressed her just for me. And, uh, but I had to go through a lot of hell to get there, but mm. I, I promise you this, man, I went through a lot of hell in my twenties and early thirties, but it's worth it. Cause I'm in heaven in my forties, right? I'll be 40 this oh, year no. here in a couple of months. And, uh, I say this, like a lot of people right now, they're going to like roll their eyes, but I'm just being real with you guys. Like I wouldn't trade places with Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates. Like I, I would, I'd trade right. bank accounts with them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, I mean, that's cool, but I'm, I wouldn't want to be Bill Gates. Like his life isn't better than mine. And I don't mean yeah. that he doesn't have more money. I don't mean his house isn't nicer, his car collection, or his ability to spend money. But his wife, Melinda, she's not as hot as Amy. Like, his kids aren't as cool as mine. His friends are definitely not as cool as mine. He's a bunch of fucking Illuminati square people. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. like I'm not into, like, weird candlelit sex parties and shit like the Illuminati's into, right? So I have no interest <laughs> in that. All yeah. jokes aside, I just wouldn't trade places with those people because I love my life so much. Yeah, no and doubt. I've been through so much hell that I know what I don't want to go back to. So it yes. makes me keep focused on being grateful for what I have right now. Every morning I wake up and like, dude, you, most people wake up grumpy, you know, they mm. like mags. They got this, that dude, I wake up like, dude, if I had a tail, it'd be wagon. Cause you, I just, I, can't, <laughs> I get to live this yeah. life again. And it's not like I'm going to wake up and, you know, put a crown on my head and drape myself in the finest linens. I'm wearing a fucking $10 t-shirt. I got off Amazon right now. You know, I'm wearing mm-hmm. bands shoes that i buy every three months for 40 dollars, the same ones over and over again right like i have this i'm a i always wear a gray or a black t-shirt like i'm very systematic in my shit but dude yeah. i have such a good life mm-hmm. that's such a good life man and 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 i've been through a lot of hell and and i really think that's what's helped me appreciate it but because of experiencing all that stuff man i mean you know there's lots of things that i don't talk about in podcasts and in mm-hmm. on and stuff like that. But people have no idea like really what all we're sure. accomplishing over here uh, because I'm not like the the Cardones or the other guys out there that, that spit numbers out and stuff like that. But dude, life is great, you know? And, yeah. and like I said, I had to go through all of that hell to gain the experience to get where I am now, but it's totally worth it. So mm-hmm. bottom line of that long ass story is, you know, whatever the fuck you're going through right now, if you just commit to getting through it, Instead of becoming a victim of it, if you just commit to getting through it and getting through it the right way, you just do with all the setbacks that I just listed. Everybody listening has no excuse. Right. Dude, at any given moment, like t- two minutes into this story, y'all were like, oh, shit, he tapped out at this point. Right. For sure. You know, so many different chances you could have. 
And and dude, I just look at it this way. I'm not I'm now I'm smarter, right? But I wasn't smarter when I started all this shit. Now I'm fucking smarter than most people because I got the experience. Right. But it wasn't that way when I started. I was just willing to take action and take the risk. So many people are scared. What if it fucks up my credit? What if this said but, but, but what if it works? Fear is this like like there's really nothing scary. Fear is just a chemical. Mm-hmm. It's just a chemical that slides through your brain that makes your fucking nervous system act a certain way. It's not a real thing. It's just a chemical. Yeah. Logically, if you think about it, fear is nothing more than a peptide chemical that's pumped through your fucking nervous system. And so we start thinking about it. Yeah, exactly. We get scared of taking a risk. We get scared of going to job. With me, dude, I, 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 I couldn't be scared. I'd have a choice. It's like you can't get a job no more. What are you going to do? Well, shit. When someone's unemployed, they make two decisions. To go on unemployment and become homeless. Or to start their own business. Well, I'd already been homeless before. That was not a that was not a choice after you'd be no. a millionaire. You know what no. I mean? This is not trading places. This is not happening. But those of you that are out there, I want you to know this. Here's the big takeaway from that story that I just told you. Along that way, I just told you a story of about 40 years. Along that way, a hundred percent of the people that were in the race against me are gone. Mm. Everybody that tried to hold me back, everybody tried to snitch on me, tell on me, tell me I'd never make it. My fucking parents, everybody else, they're all fucking gone. Slowly but surely, I fucking made my way out because here's what happens. Life's this long marathon race, and most people, they'll sprint for a fucking two, three hundred meter, two, three years, whatever you want to compare it to. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And have to double over and breathe out, man. When you get to where you just stay in the race, even if you're just walking, you're not even jogging or running right. anymore. You're just one foot in front of the other. Still moving. Eventually, you fucking get past everybody. In 2011, they made fun of me. In 2019, they want to ride with me. Mm-hmm. All because they fucking tapped out along the way and went back to regular jobs. And I just, no matter what torture I had to go through, I just dealt with it. One of my friends told me early on in the game, best advice I ever received. He said, your ability to be successful is in direct proportion to the amount of financial pain you can withstand. Interesting. That's really powerful right there. Yeah, I think it's really fear it's pain with this, this mm. fear, of, this fear of embarrassment. But man, the people you're worried about being embarrassed in front of, dude, none of those people are my clients anyway. They never have been. They never were going to pay me. They never were going to be a part of this movement. Dude, I changed lives. People hear that story. There's somebody listening to your podcast right now that hears that story and goes, fuck, dude, I got to get my life together. That's what yeah. I do. I change lives. Every single day. And there were so many people like when I wrote my first book, my entire family said, if you publish that book, we don't talk to you no more. Mm. I ain't seen them since. I'm going to let seven people come in between me affecting millions. I have affected millions of people. I've sold hundreds of thousands of copies of that book, which has probably been handed off. God knows how many times. What was the book probably called? Hardcore Closer. Probably 10,000 10, of them went to prison. You know, the books that people ordered. No, they've probably been read by a hundred thousand prisoners because you know books don't leave prison; they get traded around <laughs> there. And it's a good book too, so they all want to read it because I'm one of them. They're cheering me on. Yeah, we change lives every day. I get I get messages on Facebook and emails like, "Dude, I just got out of prison. Someone gave me your book. Thank you. You changed my life. I got to get my shit that's together. Awesome. I've been a dirtbag my whole life, and now I'm gonna clean it up for my kids, dude." That every day, and then that's not counting the the millionaires that that come to us and say, "Hey, you know what? My marriage was broken, but because of you, now I get to keep my money and my marriage mm. change lives." But there was a lot of people try to stop me along the way. But the key is to just stay in the race, you know. Yeah. Well, I think this is like perfect timing for this story, at least you know for me in my life. Um, you know, I don't want to make this like you know bring the bring the message down here um, of of the story, but you know to Two weeks ago, one of my best friends from high school uh, decided to hang himself, and I mean, he he was like one of the very last people, you know, in my in my group back then that you ever thought would would do something like that. I mean, he easily could have been playing in the NFL, in the NBA. I mean, he you know could have been modeling, could get any kind of girl he wanted, you know, most one of the most popular dudes, homecoming king, all that kind of stuff, and you know, left two kids um, living in a small town. I mean, we had since I've since I was in high school, we've had at least six people kill themselves. I mean, it's just a small town, you know, like 10,000 people in Kansas, not a big place, you know, kind of a what small part of country Kansas town. From? It's, it's called our Kansas city. Kansas is like an hour South of Wichita. Just yeah, straight up 35. Out of, yeah. So that's where I went to college uh, and at friends university, not too far from there. So, 
but it was just like, man, what kind of stories was he telling himself that he, that he had to do this, you know, I mean, to, to hang yourself of all the different ways, you know what I mean? And, and then I, I remember right, right after it happened, I was, I was on your website, the hardcorecloser.com. And I can't remember what it was. It was just a short five, 10 minute one, but you were talking with, um, God, what I'm blanking on his name right now. Who's your Who's your hype man? Long haired guy who's at the MDM. Uh, Danny. Danny. Danny yes. motherfucking Galvez. Yeah, I love that dude. So you and Danny were talking about just this, like the black hole that you're in, and like you know any you know whatever problems are going on in your life, you know this and that. I can't remember the episode. But I was like, what? Oh, yeah, you know, we talk about would... going on vacation and going to a cave, probably. Yeah, yeah, and just at any point in time, like you can. At, even at your lowest lows, like there's always the ceiling. There's always, well, no ceiling. There's always a way to get out of that. And just looking at, you know, everything that's been going on with him and with that. And it's like, man, like what, you know, you always want to ask yourself, what more could I have done? Things like that. But, you know, there's obviously nothing. But to hear a guy like you who's gone through, you know, a hundred, so much worse shit than he went through. I mean, you never know what somebody's truly going through. But, I mean, he never got locked up like that. You know, he wasn't this big drug dealer and all this kind of stuff. Like, he was a he was a good dude, but just had some, you know, internal battles. And to see to see somebody like him give it up like that when, I mean, I you know, he could easily be up there, you know, in fucking Hollywood or some shit like that right now. And it just, it just kills me. And I know there's other people out there like that that are suffering. And then to hear your story when there's, like, so many points in that, you know, 40 years that you were talking about, like you said, I was like, oh, he's done here. Oh, he's done here. I would have wrapped it up. I would have given it up, which kind of transitions into this next piece that you really wanted to talk about, even though you've already alluded to it, but you call it the force of average. So can you talk a little bit about that, explain what that is to these kids and how that's really one going to affect not only obviously, you know, as an athlete, they're, they're really focused on their sport, getting better, getting to the next level, playing professionally, but also how that's going to affect their financial status, their money and everything else in their life. Well, if you listen to that story, you'll notice that, you know, my life's been a series of highs and lows. We call them meteoric rises to the top, followed by jackhammer lows. And a lot of athletes are that way too. Let's take uh, Ricky Williams. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm from, I'm from Texas here and Ricky Williams, arguably one of the greatest college running backs ever to like put a cleat on a turf. Right. And, uh, on top of the world, offered contracts to play in all sorts of places. Can't put the weed down, you mm. know, like for the life of him, the dude's talented. He's, he can play this good high, <laughs> but it's against the rules. And he right. is now out millions of dollars and has a failed career. And he's now known as like the, you know, most potential. He's like now the quintessential fucking stoner. That's what he's known yeah. as, you know, like the dude that had all the potential, but he smoked his freaking life away, even though that's not the case, but it is the case. We look at guys uh, like, you know, Ray Lewis, one of the top dudes in the game, can't get his act together. You know, messing around with them old people keeps getting them in trouble with the cops. Mm. We look at, uh, you know, it, time and time again, the athletes that get million-dollar contracts and got six baby mamas. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all force of average shit, right? Because here's what's up. It's just like being in school. As athletes, you'll appreciate this, high school or college. Like as, as athletes, and I don't mean to be stereotypical here, but for humor's sake, in, enjoy this. As athletes, let's just say you're a little bit dumber than the average person because you might have bumped heads or been a little <laughs> bit focused on running and being athletic more than hitting the books, right? And that's totally sure. okay. But the smart kid in the class fucks up the grading curve for you guys, and now all of a sudden you're on the verge of maybe getting a D and you can't play next semester. So what happens is you don't go – and try to work harder on being smarter. Most people don't. What they do is they go threaten the smart mm-hmm. dude. Hey, if you get a fucking hundred on this test, we're going to beat your ass after school. And so they're sure. relying on that dude dumbing things down. Well, that's how the force of average works for us, right? Like if you're, the, if you're the smart person and you're about to get a hundred on the test, the force of average is the dumb jock that's going to beat the shit out of you that hasn't done books because he's been chasing chicks and and playing football, right? And again, I'm not knocking out to being funny so you guys don't come attack me. I'm just giving you a good example. Some of you are going, oh, shit, he's telling my story. <laughs> <laughs> and so the force of average is that same way. Like every time you're great, there's an analogy like crabs in a bucket. You know, if you throw crabs in a bucket, one mm-hmm. of them tries to escape. The other ones will pull it back down. Right. And the force of average is like those crabs in a bucket. 
every time you go to break the grading curve, you go to do above average shit, you fucked up the grading curve, all the power in the world is trying to bring you back down to average. Now think about this, right? If you are a below average person, let's say that you're a homeless person or person on welfare, really just no general uh, value attrition uh, attributed, attributed to society from you. It's pretty easy. Starbucks give you free coffee. Hospitals will give you free medical. The streets and homeless places will let you live there for free. It's pretty easy to be a loser, right? <laughs> Maybe you don't have private jets and Lamborghinis, but it's pretty fucking easy to get by being a loser. Mm-hmm. Let's say that you're average, right? You stay in your comfort zone. You'll get a $50,000 a year job. You have 2.2 kids. You marry someone that's heterosexually uh, opposite sex of you, right? Like these are the, the a- average standard things that you go do. Sure. Right. You live your entire life in your comfort zone and you don't leave anything for your kids, including a legacy behind. You just you just didn't exist like the world won't even remember you when you're gone. Right. And then there's the people like you and I that are trying to do podcasts and videos and write books and leave legacies behind and change millions of lives. And the force of average goes, hey, smart kid, you're fucking it up for the rest of us. What about the person that's happy with that $50,000 a year job? You can't be telling Mm. them different shit. Right. What about the person that's happy being homeless? You can't be trying to get them to level up because then you fuck the whole grading curve up for the planet. We ain't trying to have that. So all the power goes away from lifting the poor and the average, keeping them average, and it goes into pulling you back down. It's like a gravitational pull, which is a good analogy for this planet. Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, the universal law on this planet is what goes up must come down. Right. Right. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Reaction. Exactly. Right. So if you do good, there's got to be something to bring you down. But let me tell you what the force of average has one trick and one trick only. And now this trick moves in many forms to bring you back to average. But it's only got one trick. The one trick is to distract you. Distraction. We're subject to 4,000 advertisements every day. Mm. We're subject to drama. We're subject to greed, jealousy, envy, cheating, fighting, anger, fear. <clears throat> Dude, it's got a lot of tricks, and its only job mm-hmm. is to keep distracted. Do you know why? Because we have superpowers as humans, and we all have it. Some of us, it's a little bit weaker. And all you got to do if the muscle's weak, you just got to work it out, right? I used mm-hmm. to be a little skinny kid. Now I'm fucking big. You don't want to fuck with me. I'm a big dude. I can fight too. Yeah. I used to be a little skinny kid, right? I'm 205, 11, 12% body fat now, right? I do crazy shit in the gym every day because I was a skinny kid that worked my way up to being the size that I am now. I'm in better and, shape. This and morning, Mark's I- busting your ass over there, right? Yeah, exactly. He made me squat 105 pounds fucking six times this morning. Mm. Too many people 40 years old doing that with no belt, no knee wraps, no nothing, right? Yeah. Ass to the ground, too. We ain't talking no bullshit. Not right, no a quarter squat. squat. Ass to- <laughs> That's right. And so the reason why I say that, man, is it, it took a while to get there, right? Because I focused on getting bigger. See, our superpower is focused, but here's what happens when we're kids. We're most impressionable. The things that you learn how to behave in society between three and seven never change again unless you're incarcerated, divorced, diagnosed with a terminal disease, or a loss of a job or cross-country move, right? Those are the only things a major life change that makes you change your thinking. Other than that, how you think at seven is how you think the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. It's fucking scary, isn't it? Because you'll shit at seven. You don't no. know shit at seven. No. I don't know shit at 40. I sure didn't know <laughs> shit at seven. My oldest kid's seven. He don't know shit. He can't even yeah. lie good. <laughs> and so, but that's that's where it stops. And guess what? From the ages of five, six, and seven, I don't know what they tell you or your kids, but I know what they tell me and my kids. They say, can't pay attention, can't focus, got ADD, mm. should get them on pills, they're too hyper, blah, blah, blah. All these things that they start teaching you at this young age. So your whole life, you tell yourself, I got ADD, I can't focus, I'm not a details person. Oh, so I had an ADD moment. And we've convinced ourselves with this word track that we've repeated, and all of a sudden, we have mm. no focus, and the force of average gets you. But here's what happens when you learn to focus. We redraw maps. We go to Mars. We disrupt the banking system. We build electric cars. We build fucking flying cars. We mm. build utopian societies that work off of capitalistic principles. We liberate That's countries crazy. that rode by oppressors. We create technology that can end wars. That's what we do when we're focused. We write books. We rewrite history. Yeah. And the force of average knows that all of a sudden, if all of us became the smart kid in the class, then the average would have to adjust itself. The algorithm would have to start making different adjustments and it would fuck the whole the whole simulation that we live in. I'm not saying simulation like like Elon Musk says it, but like this whole like, like the process or living shit. experience that we're in. Yeah. And so 
okay, so all right, Ryan, yeah, we all know we need to be focused. We've been told that since we were kids. How do you do that? Yeah. So if you want to be great, you got to be focused. And so there's something that I invented called the G-code, and this is a great way to end this. Perfect. The G-code is the combatant to the force of average. It's four areas that you have to focus on winning and implementing. If you, it, The only way you can win is to take action, right? Like you can't win mm-hmm. a race without running it, right? You can't win a competition without participation. And so when I say win, that means that you got to do the shit to win. You can't just assume that you're going to show up and win every day in the areas that I tell you. But the first thing, and write this shit down because this is the daily routine that will change your life. We've got an app coming out in about two weeks that you'll be able to do it all for free. Yeah, I'm excited about that. And so every morning when you wake up, first G of the code to greatness, the G code, is gratitude. If you don't have a grateful mindset, then you'll live a scarcity-infused life. You'll live a life where you're mad and angry and fearful at all times because you're not grateful for what you have. There's no work-life balance. This is fucking horse shit. There's not a, I could do the math equation, but if you work eight hours, sleep eight hours, what the fuck? You're already out of time for work-life balance. You're already mm-hmm. out of time. You can't balance that. And that's just shit that like normal job shit, right? Instead, the true balance we got to search in this life is being grateful for what we have while in pursuit of what's next. My friend Ed Milet says, be blissfully dissatisfied. Be happy with what you got, but unsatisfied with it. Mm. And so for me, that the balance that I'm wake, doing is every day when I wake up, most people wake up mad, they wake up angry. I wake up and I immediately train my brain to look for five things to be grateful for. Remember earlier on, I told mm-hmm. you I wouldn't trade places with Bill Gates. Mm-hmm. I'm because I program my brain to be grateful for where I am right now. That doesn't mean I'm not going somewhere else. You know, that doesn't mean I'm not going somewhere else. Bigger, better, faster, more, all that shit's good. But at the same time, I'm grateful for what I have. So every morning I write down five things I'm grateful for. I do it in Evernote. Second thing, second G is your genetics. Every morning I go work out. Like you said, Mark, you even know my trainer, you know, because you know how con- convicted I am on working out. And there's mm-hmm. a reason why at 40, I look better than a lot of 20-year-olds. And I don't say that from like an ego vein standpoint. That's really Mark's testament, not mine. Uh, but the truth is I just do the work because mm-hmm. last thing I want to do is be rich and be happy with my life and then lose it early. Or have to give that rich wealth that I earn to a hospital to stay alive instead right. of my kids. Yep. So every day I'm working my genetics. That's, that's diet, supplementation, working out, all that stuff. The third G – is my grind. I got to work on my business every single day. I got to grind it out, right? Like that's the hard thing that most people avoid. But if I stay focused at work, I can make what we call a 48-7 moment, 48 hours a day, seven days a week. I can do in one day what takes most people to. Mm. And that's just from the the focus factor. The reason why is I'm focused. Two things, right? I run my life by a schedule. So when I wake up in the morning, I write five things I'm grateful down, and then I look at my calendar, and it tells me to work out. It tells me to be at the office. It tells me when my meeting is. It told me when to call you to be on mm-hmm. this episode. Mm-hmm. I live my life by calendars right on time too, wasn't I? Yes, sir. Yeah, I live my life by that calendar. It keeps me focused, right? As an entrepreneur, as a salesperson, we usually don't have managers or bosses, so you got to make that calendar your boss. Mm. But here's what I also do. The fourth G, the G code, is your group, the group of people you're surrounded with. Your network's important. The group is really the most important of the four because if your group's right, all the other shit will fall into place anyway. Because if you got a, a good group, how are they going to let you be poor? How are they going to let mm-hmm. you be ungrateful? Mm-hmm. Right? How are they going to let you be fat and out of shape and, and genetically fucked up? They're not. You right. got the right group of people, they're going to hold you accountable. So that's the most important part. But here's the best part <clears throat> is it's your friends, your referral partners, your coworkers, your employees. The, the network that you belong to, your referral partners, like all that stuff is your group, right? Okay, okay. And for me, I make sure that every day I invest in somebody in my group. Today, I took my customer service manager, the guy that runs that division, took him to lunch. Give him a $1,000 bonus. Doing nice. a job really good for last quarter. Invested into somebody. Last week, took my family on vacation. Invested in my mm-hmm. family for, you know, and it's not about money. It can be anything else. Does it, that's just how I show my appreciation. A lot of people like that sure. can use it, you know. But every week, me and my wife, we go on a date. One of the reasons why we're still married is she believes that why leave now when you're going to get so much more money out of me later, <laughs> right? <laughs> and Because uh, I'm like, I'm hard to deal with. There's no, there's no denying that. She was made for me, though. And the second thing is we go on a date every week whether you're mad or not. Mm-hmm. We're not mad. That <laughs> I, I, I make jokes. We actually have a perfect yeah. relationship. Yeah. All things considered, I've seen horrible ones. But 
<clears throat> we go on a date night every week. My kids and I, we go out on like my sons and I, we go out on like a, a dude's date every yeah. freaking week. Like clockwork. Awesome. Every month I meet up with my friends, dude. I'm like constantly, I fly to uh, San Diego here in a couple of weeks again to go meet with friends, dude. I'm, if you want good friends, be a great friend. If you want a good family, be a great leader of that family. If you want a, if you want a good business, be a great leader of that business. And it all starts with the group of people you're around. So every day, at the end of the day, after doing all that, I write down on that same thing that I wrote five things that I'm grateful. I write down where I want in each one of those areas. How much money we make in business. Mm-hmm. What was my workout in the gym? Did I eat right? That's almost a G5 is the wins. Who did I invest in? Day. Yeah, who did I invest in? And then the last thing I do is I write down a lesson that I learned that day. Mm, I like that. Dude, I've been doing this for 500 days. Pro, wow. like a machine. Wake up, go to sleep. Wake up, grateful, go to sleep a winner. Mm. Following the G code. Dude, I don't have no more lows. I don't have any more lows. And I'm not scared to say it. A lot of people are like, oh, don't jinx it. Come at me, FOA. I'm focused as fuck. Mm. You already know. I punched you in your face like five times. Try to get me again. And every time you come, we celebrate because unlike what the great philosopher Pup Daddy he says, he says, mo money, mo problems. I believe mo problems, mo money. So bring them on. Yeah. And that's, five, that's problems. truly Shit, 500 days. a problem and level up. Shit, bring it on, right? Like in sports, dude, this pitcher's a killer. Good. When you hit that ball, it's going out of the park. Yep. Yeah, I remember, like, uh, I'm a big Giants fan, and there, it was the Giants versus the Rangers, and Cliff Lee had, like, you know, no – he had, like, given up no runs in, in, like, the postseason so far. And then, like, first game against the Giants, they just rock him. And blow his shit up. And everybody's like, oh, shit, Cliff Lee, he's, he's invincible, da-da-da. And then, boom, just like that, you know, one of the best in the game gets taken out and they end up losing that series. I mean, it doesn't matter who you are. Like, from your story to any athlete that you're looking out there, any high school superstar, college, like, it doesn't matter what level you're at. You can be taken down a notch by somebody. But you can easily – like, I, I heard this stat from Michael Jordan. It was if he didn't, if he didn't score 20 points in one game – the very next game, he averaged like over 35 or 40 points a game. It was crazy stat. Dude, it, it works like this for me. You know, I've already seen some really messed up down points in my life. I'm not scared. Like nothing that could mm-hmm. happen today could be any worse than any of that shit mm-hmm. I've already been through. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and dude, I'm so focused, man. I know to focus. I know focus is the key. I've been practicing it for 500 days now and then trying to get it together before I figured all this shit out before that. So... I mean, it's just unsight. I have blinders on to anything else. Drama. I, I what? I can't hear you. Haters. Oh, I don't see you. You know what? Two years ago, I had people hate me all over the internet. People that weren't my clients, just people that were jealous. You know how it is, dude. I'm winning. They're losing. And and the they truth is, they weren't got. losing. They weren't losing. They just didn't feel like they were winning as big as me, so they were jealous and shit like that. But guess what's up now, right? I don't know anybody who don't like me. I'm sure they're out there. I'm yeah. sure they're out there, but they don't say anything anymore because it shows more about them than me because I'm focused. I don't pay attention to that shit. They ain't going to get my attention anyway. You want to get my attention? Get on some positive shit, right? right? That's who I'm trying to connect with. Absolutely. Well, yeah, as we're finishing this up, Ryan, I think out of the, you know, the GCO is very powerful. I think everybody can really, all these athletes can really start to implement this right away. I think the, the obviously G1 is, you know, where you got to start with that gratitude every day. Um, yeah, that's the easy one to, for them to start implementing, but it's just the fact of actually doing it. Like you said, literally for 500 days, like you, it wasn't like, Oh, you know, every, every other week I kind of missed one here and there. No, it was literally 500 days in a row that you were on that. So starting with that everyday kind of mentality, I think the G2 is probably the easiest of them for most athletes, right? The most of them are already right. working out, taking care of themselves for their sport. So that's kind of a gimme, but then the, the G3 and the G4, the grind, can easily, you know, be part of that for their sport. But what can these kids do when most, let's say, let's say they don't have any money, they don't have a network, they don't really have a job. What can the grind be for their business? What, what can they do to get G3 going in their lives right now? Well, you know, if you don't have money, you don't have a job. <clears throat> there's uh, I would just go watch the, the training at funnelcloser.com. Just go to funnelcloser.com and watch the training there. And uh, there's some stuff that'll help you guys out, dude. I've, I've helped people in your situation. If you got no money and shit like that, I've helped people in your situation become millionaires. So just go watch that training. That'll give you an idea of uh, of what to do next. Perfect. And then going into G four, let's say you know they they don't have really much of a network. Um, you know they got some friends and family and stuff, but they don't have you know 
big players like you and their network, millionaires, multimillionaires, billionaires, et cetera, what can they do to, to grow their group and their network right now as, as, a, as a younger kid and maybe not have as much value to bring to the table um, as somebody else who can be an investor or has a bigger network or players, et cetera? Yeah, so what I did was uh, just started engaging with them on social media. I promise you, everybody that's – they're either them or their Facebook manager knows who their top fans are. Mm-hmm. So if you go to Facebook and you start engaging with somebody's page, you'll become a top fan, right? That's just how it works. People know who their top fans are, right? At least their social media manager does. And so you get to be the the top fan over there, start engaging with people on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, like the people that you like, Ed Milet, Andy Frisell, like just start engaging with them, right? Even if they tell you to fuck off and and ignore you or whatever the case, man, just always add value. Don't be like, how can mm-hmm. you help me? Give me money. Just be like, dude, I love right. your shit. Dude, thank you. How can I support you? Dude, here's this. Bam. Mm-hmm. How's this? Awesome. I'm doing like just all. And eventually, eventually, first of all, surrounding yourself with them online, you're going to learn shit's going to make you more money. Eventually mm-hmm. you'll be able to buy into their programs or work alongside of them, whatever. For me, I follow them on social media. I buy their programs, even if they're $20 programs, the cheapest thing that they got to start with just mm-hmm. to be a part of their ecosystem and show them that I'm not just like some, you know, dude trying to roach off of them or whatever. And I built my whole network that way. Now I don't have to pay for shit. Now everybody will give me whatever, but dude, I started off like anybody else, you know, just engaging on social media and, and uh, long before I had followers or anything, all the shit you see is like the last four years. The, mm, the other shit okay. was, you know, six years behind the scenes, you know? Right. Building it up. That's it. That's powerful. Well, just, you know, building off the, the funnel closer deal. I think, you know, I'm glad you brought that one up. Cause that was one I was going to um, recommend for these kids. I had drew beyond um, recently. And that was something he was talking about too, that they could, they could definitely get into as a, as a, you know, a, a solid job without having, you know, to travel around and work, you know, a full-time job and this and that, like you can do it from home. You can do it when they're traveling on the road for their games or, you know, whatever it is. I think built before they kind of, you know, obviously go check that out, go check the training out on there. Um, I've went through it. It's pretty good and looking forward to getting into that one myself in the future is the, is your book, uh, social media millions. And you've got that one out for free, right? They just need to pay what, like eight bucks for shipping. That would be a, a yeah, good preclude to that. We took all that down to uh, to focus on Amazon. I've got 10 books over on Amazon. Just go type my name, Ryan Suman, into Amazon. You get whatever you want at Amazon's price. We don't charge like 20 or $15. Like whatever the minimum Amazon would let me charge for is what you're getting it for over there. Perfect. Well, we'll add, we'll add all that into the show notes. Go check it out. I've got that book. Um, got, it, got it in, right? I guess, right before you shut that down because that's – that's how I found uh, found out about that deal. Um, but it's a great book and really super powerful. So, so many kids these days can easily tap into social media as a great way to bring in some income, grow their network, and all these other kinds of things. And especially, I mean, if we're talking on the sports side, like make your highlight videos, you know, find college recruiters uh, that get connected with the top coaches that you want to go to at the next level. You know, it's just so many options with social media nowadays. It's crazy. So. Yes. You're a man of your schedule. You gave me your time, Ryan. I'm great. I'm grateful for it. So glad for this episode. I know these listeners are going to get a lot out of it. Um, any final thoughts, final words for the listeners here? No, you know, hey, just uh, consume my shit. My podcast, just go to hardcorecloser.com. You'll find everything there, mm-hmm. uh, including the funnel closer and all that other stuff. But uh, you guys, like, if you like this shit, like, get involved. Don't be a spectator. Get involved. And uh, it all starts by going to hardcorecloser.com, which is our hub. All of our shit's over there. Everything you need from podcasts to videos to blog posts to whatever. It's all there. All right, all right, Athlete Nation. What did you think of today's episode? That was fire, wasn't it? That was just just Khaleesi-style fire coming at you right there. Like I said, I'm going to have all that in the show notes below so you can go check out his stuff. Highly, highly recommend uh, the website. Checking out his podcast, Hardcore Closer podcast. Uh, even his Rewire podcast is just a little short five, six, seven, eight, ten minute get your mind right episodes. A lot of good stuff in there as well. So I think it's super powerful to be able to have a platform like this that I can reach a guy like Ryan Stuman to have him do that, to come on the show and drop knowledge like that. And one of the biggest takeaways for me 
from outside of the episode was what he was mentioning at the end. He's like, you know, Hey, I, I gave you my hour. Right. And I'm a man of my schedule and of my word. And he keeps that. And to me, that's built that that doesn't just happen from that one time he did it with me. You know, he does that with everybody. It's, it's a rule and it's a standard in his life. He has a strong resolve and that's something that I personally need to work on to, you know, make those commitments to myself, to the schedule that I'm keeping and to the schedule of those around me for one. And secondly is just learning that, okay, it's all of the chances I get to build that resolve. I need to take that opportunity to build that kind of endurance and power up. And then I can power up and level up, but it's not going to be just that boom, big jump overnight kind of deal, which is why this kind of stuff is so important. Going back to the force of average is it's so easy to do. It's so easy not to do that. You might as well just take that so easy to do part instead of obviously the opposite. So please leave a review. That's all I'm really asking of you. Leave that review. Hopefully it's on iTunes. Love to get it. Hopefully another five-star review. And looking to share this podcast with more people, more athletes to help get them money-minded. For you athletes out there, on a separate note, we're talking finance. We're talking business over here. If you want to talk sports, if you want to talk athletics, if you want to talk about becoming a complete athlete, first go check me out on Facebook. Google, you can join my Facebook group building the complete athlete check it out I'm, I'm i'm slowly adding to that you know it's it's a new project of mine uh, it's just a free facebook group love to get you in that and sharing some knowledge in there from nutrition to strength conditioning to sports specific drills and tips doesn't matter what sport you are you know i'm going to be bringing in experts from different sports that i don't know anything about and have them share some little tips for you to get better on the skills on your tools for your sport so Go check it out on Facebook. You know, you can also give me a follow on Instagram, pulling my own, P-U-L-L-I-N, my own, pulling my own on Instagram, or just find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, searching my name, Kyle Pullen. So thank you all for checking in today, and we will see you back tomorrow for the book review day, finishing off, continuing on with the last book we're reading. Do you remember the last book we were reading? I remember the last book we were reading. How to Win Friends and Influence People. So, we'll see you then.